I invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. As we talk about joy. You know, in the book of Philippians, you find a couple of themes. Specific emphases. Specific themes that just stand out above all others. I think, one, you find this theme of unity. Of the church just thriving together, unified in purpose and mind. You see it throughout this little letter as Paul writes to them that they are to be unified. Well, he also speaks to them about how they are to be joyful, how they are to express the joy of the Lord in their relationships and in their lives. Now, I personally believe there has to be a connection. If a church is unified, most often that church is joyful. And if that church is joyful, most often it is unified. I think somehow those two things interlink together, to be unified and to be joyful. Again, Paul's been talking to them about being unified, of having the mind of Christ. And sometimes having the mind of Christ, it, it really involves you coming with a sense of humility and sacrifice and living accordingly with one another. That's what Paul said earlier in chapter 2. He said basically we have to divest ourselves of our own our own privileges and prerogatives. Did I say that right? Man, I didn't sleep last night. Did I tell you all that? That we would divest ourselves of all of these great privileges that we have and yet somehow we can find joy as we serve one another. We're unified and we are joyful. And then as he works down, he says that we work out our salvation as Christ Jesus, as God himself works in us. And then in verse 14, that's where we pick up tonight. He speaks about that joy and how it becomes a witness for all others. Look in verse 14. There he writes and he says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless Children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad And rejoice with me. Look in verse 14 at what Paul said. He said that when you're about your business, that you do all things without any type of grumbling or murmuring or complaining. Maybe we need to stop right here tonight. This might be just good enough message for us to dwell on for a few moments. Here again. He's talking about being unified and also about being joyful. What is the opposite of grumbling and murmuring and doing all these things? The opposite of that is to be joyful in what you're doing, to express joy in your lives, in all the things that you do do, that we want to be joyful in Him. You know, you look back and you think again about emulating that example of Christ, that somehow we have to give up some of these privileges that we have. I mean, that is what we see earlier in chapter 2, right? That Christ Jesus divested himself of these heavenly these heavenly privileges 
to come to this earth for us. And that he demonstrated the work of a servant in such that he gave his life for us. Even on the cross itself, Paul says. So when you begin looking at that and you think about, okay, God's called me to demonstrate such sacrifice in my life, in my relationship with other people. When you begin thinking about that, well, if you're not careful, you can begin to complain a little bit about it. You know, you can say, well, I'm going to do it, but mm. have you ever had that before in your life? I mean, where like you were obedient, but you didn't like it. I mean, I went about it. I did what I was supposed to do, but I'm not telling you I was in the best spirit when I did it. I've had a few of those moments in my life, few more than I would like to admit, where I just did it, but down deep, maybe not vocally, well, sometimes vocally, especially if Leslie was around, I would grumble, I would murmur, I would complain about my obedience, about the things that I knew that God had called me to do. And perhaps you've been there too. And what Paul says is, hey, listen, I want you to come together. And yes, I want you to show a servanthood about who you are and what you're doing. But when you do that, I want you to do it with joy. Don't complain about it. Don't murmur about it. Just do it with joy. As a young pastor there at Pine Grove in Picayune, I, I always thought I had to kind of tell some of the people what I was doing all the time. So they, I guess maybe they'd feel sorry for me. I don't know exactly why, looking back at it. Maybe it was to keep my job. Sometimes in these churches, your job could be, well, you know, it can come and go very quickly, right? And I always remember Mr. Laverne Stewart, who uh, was kind of like the patriarch of the church, uh, you've heard me talk about him before. His first name was Hayes, Hayes Laverne Stewart. I named my son after him. And, and Laverne did everything, like I said. I mean, he was the one that cut the grass. He was the Sunday school director. He was the treasurer. He did all kinds of things like that. And every day when I would get to the office, he would usually be around. Remember, this is a small country church. So, um, you know, there were only just a limited number of people you would see. But I would see Laverne every day. I would be at my desk and he'd come in and he'd plop down on the couch and he'd cross his legs and he'd begin talking to me and, and it seemed like I had to give him a laundry list. Not that he asked for it, he never asked for it, but I was like, I got to tell him what I'm going to do today. He's checking up on me, I need to tell him that I'm going to the hospital and I'm going to visit these people and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and man, I just, I could just hear myself doing it. And sometimes I probably did do it so he'd say, hey, it's going to be okay and all those kinds of things. I was really convicted about that. I was at seminary, and yes, conviction can set in at seminary. Some of you think it probably can't, but it can. And I was in a seminary class, and God just kind of spoke to me about, why are you having to do that? Why are you having to try to prove? Why are you trying to have to prove what you're doing and to impress other people? Or, or why are you trying to elicit their sympathies? Why are you... I mean, I wouldn't say I was complaining, but yeah, I was complaining in a sense. Why are you doing that? God really convicted me. And now, actually, I, I've realized that there are some of those things that I need to especially hold back. When I, feel, when, when I feel it inside, just welling up like this is what I want to say and this is how I want to complain about it, it's like 
the Spirit of God somehow gives us the self-control to say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not. You know why? Because you and I, our value is not based upon what we do. My value as a minister is not based upon what I accomplish in certain areas. My value is found through Jesus Christ, and thus my joy comes from Him. So there is no need for me to murmur or complain or tell everybody else about it. I just simply need to be obedient. Because in the long run, the only one that we are wanting to please, the ultimate one we are wanting to please, is the God above who sits upon the throne. It is Him that we want to delight with our lives. So if we're wanting to delight Him in in what we have done and who we are, then somehow we need to delight in His work as a people. Not grumbling, not murmuring, to do all things. Now listen, that's very comprehensive, isn't it? I mean, all things. Don't we get a little bit of a kind of space where God would just say, hey, you, you can take this much? You get 10 complaints a day. I wish God would just do that every now and then. You get 10 a day. Don't use them all up early in the morning. You only got 10. 10 things that you can complain about. God doesn't do that. God says all things. You do all things without murmuring, without complaining or disputing. He says something very similar over in Colossians. And remember when Paul's writing, I think from Rome here, he writes these captivity epistles. He writes four of them. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So in the same time frame, he's writing the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, he says this in chapter 3, verse 17. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I think that verse is the companion verse of chapter 2, verse 14 here in Philippians. 2.14 says, everything you do, do without complaining, disputing, murmuring. Just, just do it. In other words, joyfully. In the book of Colossians, he says, whatever you do, in word or deed, again, a very comprehensive kind of terminology here he says you do it in the name of the lord jesus so if i'm doing it in the name of the lord jesus i'm not doing it with complaining i'm not doing it with murmuring i'm doing it hopefully with joy in my heart everything that we do we had an all staff meeting this week um we do that couple of times a year where we have all the folks who uh, work here on this campus, we, we try to bring together to remind us that we're not just working independently, but we're part of a team of who we are. Bill, I think you said the other day, if, if our folks could see that many people working here, they'd never believe that many people worked at Temple Baptist Church, right? Because when you take the weekday and the ministers and the support staff and the custodial staff and you bring them all together... Well over 30-something folks that we had here. And yes, we had a little ice cream and that kind of stuff. Sorry, Dale, you were, going, you were eating snow cream up in Denver, but you should have been proud of that. Or... We came together and I shared this verse with them. 
because I think it is something for us as a people and, and certainly as a staff that what we do, whatever it is, and it goes down from the minister to, to any other employee, that we must do it in the name of Jesus and we must do it with joy in our hearts and lives. If God calls us to pick up a chair and move it, we ought to do it for the glory of God. If God calls us to get down and pick up something here at this, on this campus, and listen, this is not just staff, this is all of us. If we see something that we need to be doing that God speaks to us about, we need to do it, not complain about it, but do it with the joy of the Lord in our hearts. If you're teaching a Sunday school class, you do it in the name of Christ. You do it for His glory and for His honor. If you sing in the choir, whatever you do, you do it with joy in your heart, not grumbling and complaining. You do all things with joy. Why? Paul instructed the Philippian church to do all things without murmuring, complaining, disputing, so that what? There's a purpose statement here. If you look closely, again, in Philippians 2, he gives you the means in which you do all things, and then he gives you the purpose of what all things really serve. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among those who shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. What is he saying? That we do all things without murmuring, disputing, without that, complaining. We do it with joy, so that we may live blameless lives in a generation that seems to reject holiness and joy and all those kinds of things, you do it so that you might shine as lights in such a crooked generation. In other words, you do it so that you can be a testimony of Christ. That's why you do it with joy. Ultimately, to shine forth in this culture, in this society. That's the reason you do it. Obviously here, Paul was caught up on this idea of blamelessness, holiness. He says it in, in the beginning of verse 15, to become blameless and harmless. Children of God, notice it says without fault, that's the same word as blameless. Used again, trying to emphasize a point. That when you have joy in your heart in all the things that you do, you are actually demonstrating the holiness of God and who you are. You're demonstrating His holiness. And his righteousness. And when you do that, in a generation that seems to be so dark, your testimony can shine forth. Look, we could talk about the darkness of society, and certainly he does here, this crooked and perverse generation. That, that word crooked in the Greek, it is something like scoliosis. Doc, you hear? It means, I, better, I, I hate to kind of tread on this, but... I don't know as much medical stuff, but Bobby doesn't know as much Jesus stuff. So I'm just going to kind of go right here. Just kidding, just kidding. But kind of this curvature of the spine, some, something to that. I read on, I Googled it. That's what it said, something like that. Anyway, it's a curvature. It's a crookedness. And what he says here, 
is that the generation in which we live, it's as though their soul is crooked. That there is some twisting. There's some curvature to their very soul and who they are. And because of that, they need to see a testimony that is true, that is blameless. They need to see a testimony that will shine forth as the light that we should be. And we do that through joy, joyfully. May I say to you, I don't think you'll ever win anybody to the kingdom with a negative attitude. I really don't. I don't think you'll ever win anybody to the kingdom grumbling and mummering about things. Dr. Bozeman, professor at New Orleans. I loved her to death. She was one of my favorite professors. She said to us, she said, one of these days you're going to run into people. She said, and I'll give you a classification of them within the church. And she gave us a little group of them. But in particular, she said, you're going to run into people that are what I identify as wet blankets. They're just some of those individuals that you can mention something to, and it's as though they then apply a wet blanket to your life. I mean, that's just the way they are. They're negative about things. They're negative about the church, they're negative about the community. They're really negative. It's not so much that they're just negative about you. They're negative about everything. You'll find those kind of people. Listen, I understand there are those kind of people, but those kind of people never make a true difference for the kingdom of God. They never do. Those who are joyful, those are the people that can, I think, credibly invite others into the kingdom. You want to invite somebody, you be joyful. I always, I always say to, to parents to be very careful about what you say to your kids. Especially about the church. Especially about the church. You know, sometimes we go in and we, uh, we'll have our lunches and all of that kind of stuff. And maybe a Sunday after church. And, you know, I grew up and sometimes I would get over to my grandparents' house and we would begin eating. And it would be a roast the preacher Sunday. That's what we were having. It was kind of tough. I'm not saying you all do that. But I'm saying it, it was kind of, and I, and I thought, you know, this is probably not, even as a young person, I thought, this, this can't be that good. You know, you, you should be careful of what you say about the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know I can get personal here. Because to me, when you talk about the church, it's like you're talking about my wife. That's how personal it gets for me. Because I love the church. I love the community of believers that Jesus Christ allows us to be a part of. And he loves it too, just like we talked about last week. When I speak about it, I don't want to speak in negative terms. I want to do all things with joy in my heart and life. I don't want to speak in such disputing, murmuring, complaining ways. Because again, I say to you, how will you ever win somebody to the kingdom if all they've heard you talk about is the bad things about the church? Especially your kids, your grandkids. They need to hear us affirming the good things, the joyful things 
about the kingdom of God. We need to do whatever we can in front of our kids, in front of others. This is a generation. Listen, this is a generation, just as Paul said, that wants to push back the kingdom. That wants to somehow come and like extinguish our light. But I say to you that through the joy of the Lord, our light cannot be extinguished. And our light can shine in such a pure and true way that people can know Jesus Christ and come into the kingdom. We should be joyful. We should be joyful. And listen, I don't take back anything I said this morning because many of us live brokenness in brokenness. But I do know that even in the midst of brokenness, we can experience the joy of the Lord. Because joy is not just based on circumstances. Listen, my joy is not just based upon the circumstances I find myself in. My joy is based upon my relationship with Christ. And that is a relationship that will not change. That is a love that continues. We are to express joy in our lives. Paul just said, hey, I'd love for you to hold fast the word of life. I want you to do these things without complaining or murmuring so that you can show forth this testimony so that I know that I've not labored in vain. Remember, Paul himself had started this church. We can read the account back in the book of Acts. He says, I, I am so thankful and joyful for what God is doing in you. Verse 17, he says, yes, I may be poured out as a drink offering. He said, maybe right now my life is being spent, but you are the true sacrifice. You are the true service. That's really what he's saying in verse 17. And he said, I am glad and rejoice with you all for what's going on. I'm happy. Paul, who was in captivity, his circumstances may not have been the best, but he said, even in the midst of it, I am joyful. Even though, even though I'm in this captivity itself, I rejoice in what God is continuing to do. And he says in verse 18, for the same reason, you be glad and rejoice with me. In other words, hey, join me in this. Pass a little joy around to other people. Rejoice. Be happy of what God is doing I met with a young couple this week that's about to get married and uh, got to share with them a little bit about uh, of course the marriage relationship this was our third meeting that we've had and we are looking at the ceremony itself but one of the final things that I usually tell young couples is this you decide to be happy Joyfulness is a decision that you make. I'm talking about true contentment. It is a decision. How do I know that? I told them I've been studying the book of Philippians. And when you look at the book of Philippians and Paul says things like this, be glad, rejoice with me. Later on he'll say rejoice again, I say rejoice. That is in the imperative form. In other words, it's a command. He says Rejoice. That's a command. So if 
you find those commands in Scripture, that means that you have the ability to do it. It means you've got to make a decision, right? If you've been commanded, listen, you and I have been commanded to rejoice. That means it must be more about the decision I make than the circumstances I'm in. If I've been commanded to do it, that means I have the capability to make a decision. And I, I believe that. I believe that in a marriage life. I believe you come to a point and say, hey, I am content. I'm joyful. I make a decision about these things. In our hearts and lives, I'm going to go through some tough times, difficult times, but I am going to rejoice. I may be in the prison, but I'm going to sing. That's what Paul and Silas did. I may find myself through all kinds of difficulties, but I will praise the Lord. I will find cheerfulness, as we talked about this morning. And when I find that cheerfulness of the Lord, I will pluck that string instrument. I will make a melody in my heart. I will praise. I will worship. Because my joy is in Him. What I want to encourage you to do is my family. Pass the joy around. Pass that kind of joy to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And listen to me. When you go out in this community that is broken, that is hurt, that is wanting to see the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, that needs to see the light of the Lord Jesus Christ, you show them the joy that can only come through knowing Christ Jesus. Show them what true contentment is, even in the midst of difficulty. And then we will be the shining lights that he wants us to be. And I think only then will we see others drawn to the kingdom to come and worship this God that we serve, the most joyful being in all of the universe. God himself, they'll be drawn to him as they experience the life and the contentment that we bring. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the joy. And God, we know it's difficult. Our human nature, Lord, leads us to areas of complaint and grumbling. Just as the Israelites of old, sometimes we as your people, Lord, we just we just complain about obedience or the things that we're facing. But God, I pray that, Lord, you would fill our hearts, you would infuse us once again with joy. And God, I pray that joy would be contagious in our families, with our friends, here in our church. And yes, that joy would spill over into the community as people see and know your Lordship. God, continue to unify us. Continue to help us serve one another. and Be willing to sacrifice our personal wants and privileges. But God, help us to do it with all joy for you. Now, Lord, thank you that tonight in this place, 
we rest on you. We rest in the relationship that we have that no one else can take away from us. And Lord, we pray that we would be obedient in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?